Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Happy Monday, everybody. So glad you're with us on New Hampshire Primary Eve. For the next three hours, we're coming at you at 866-997-4748. We'd love to have you with us. we got a great one tonight. Tonight on the show, Professor Corey Brettschneider will be here to make sense of this uh, very crazy week at the Supreme Court. Also, later on, we'll be joined by Samantha Gross of the Boston Globe. She's been very busy, as of many Boston Globe reporters, covering the New Hampshire primary. There were so many stories that exploded over the weekend. We'll cover as many of them with her as we can. She's terrific. So we got lots to cover tonight. It's been a very crazy place. I'm John Fugelsang, and I'm so glad you're with us. This is SiriusXM Progress. Bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. Our executive producer is the great Chris Hauselt, running this thing out of South Carolina. The great Thea Harper produces our show out of Brooklyn. I want to thank everybody at SiriusXM uh, Los Angeles for making it so wonderful for us to do our show. It's really a blessing that wherever I am on the road, I can do this show remotely. But to be able to perform in a beautiful studio in New York City and our great studios in Hollywood. And I've done this show from, God, I've, I've done this thing out of the Nashville studios. I've done this out of the Toronto studios. Um, it's really, really amazing. And uh, thanks to a great team. Also, thank you to everybody who turned out Saturday night for the big sexy liberal show in San Francisco. Crazy time, crazy weather. I've never seen so much rain in San Francisco, but a wonderful house. Stephanie Miller, Hal Sparks and Frangela all were great. I had a great time with a great audience. Glenn Kirshner joined us on stage and was just 10 kinds of brilliant. Thank you all so much for joining us. All right. Are we all set? All the announcements done? Are we ready to begin? Our number again is 866-997-4748. We'd love to hear from you guys. We are 866-997-GRIT. I, I think, I, I, I think Dr. Phil's doing the show. I think Dr. Phil has agreed to, to come here and do this show with me because his new book is about divisions in America. 
And I'm like, well, this is the show to do it. And I, I think he I think he took the bait. And I think we're doing this as a town hall with a live audience, but it's not confirmed yet. Right, boss? So I shouldn't even be saying anything. But I think Dr. Phil is going to be drawn into our web of deceit. Fingers crossed, John. Fingers crossed. It's going to be so hard for all of us to avoid lapse again to a Phil impression the entire time he's sitting in the studio, Chris. How's that working out for you? I don't know how we're going to do it. It's a real hard thing to do. But I'll tell you what, if you can do this, you can accomplish anything. That's really true. Be nicer to your parents, all right? She raised you. <laughs> we have some really cool guests coming up on the show. I think I can announce some of them. Rob Reiner's going to be back as well for his new movie. But uh, I'm, I'm ex- I've, I've never met Phil before. Never. So I'm, I'm ready to, to, you know, drag him down to our level and see how he does. Should be wonderful. His new book looks very interesting, and I'm excited to have him on to talk about it. And, of course, at this point, you know, I'm just trying to book guests to piss off people in the audience now and then. So 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT is our number. Let's do a show. Nikki Haley hoping for some kind of miracle in the New Hampshire primary, betting on all those anti-Trump Republicans that made the campaigns of Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie move so well. All of those people will coalesce around the only non-Trump choice left on the ballot. And by non-Trump choice, I mean a person who worked for Trump and defends Trump and will vote for Trump when he beats her. U.S. launched another volley of missiles at Houthi encampments in Yemen after the rebel group attacked American ships in the Gulf of Aden. Cameroon has now begun a massive rollout of routine malaria vaccines for children first in the world. Dexter Scott King, the um, youngest child of Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, has passed away at age 62 of prostate cancer. And director Norman Jewison has died age 97. So many great movies. I hope we can talk about them tonight. Over the course of five decades, he worked with everybody from Sidney Poitier to Denzel Washington. His films include Fiddler on the Roof, Moonstruck, The Hurricane, and of course, one of the greatest American movies ever made, In the Heat of the Night. Now, we got a lot to get to, and I want to just say, (laughs) remember, there's only two things that have ever made this country great. One of them is love. And the other one is defeating hate. Let's defeat some hate because we love America. Donald Trump right now is trying to become the first president in history to take credit for both the Obama economic recovery and the Biden economic recovery. That's really what this race is all about. And congratulations to Tim Scott on getting engaged to your mysterious fiance, Mindy. I saw the pictures. That was great. Congratulations on getting on one knee on an otherwise empty beach in the month of January in freezing cold and proposing uh, in front of a photographer you brought along to have on hand to capture the moment where you dropped on one knee and surprised her. It was great you had a photographer there to capture what a shock it was for. Oh, imagine wanting to be Donald Trump's vice president that bad. All right. It was on this date, 51 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that big government can't force American citizens to be pregnant against their will. That's Roe v. Wade. The government said you have the freedoms and the government cannot force a citizen to be pregnant if that citizen does not want to be. That was 51 years ago today. And in 2022, conservatives took that freedom away. Joe Biden marked the anniversary today in Wisconsin, making sure voters got the memo about Republicans and a woman's right to choose. Listen to what just maybe possibly conceivably remotely could be a Democratic campaign theme for the next 11 months. Three different Republican members of the United States Congress have proposed three different additional national bans to criminalize health care in every state. 
Let me tell you what they are. One is zero-week ban with absolutely no exceptions. A zero-week ban with absolutely no exceptions. The second is a six-week ban. The penalty for violating it is jail. The third is a 15-week ban. The penalty is a five-year prison sentence. That means even if you live in a state where the extremist Republicans are not running the show, your right to choose, your right to privacy would still be at risk if this law was passed, any of these were passed nationally. Yeah, I don't know. I agree, but he's old. Maybe I'll vote third party. You idiots. By the way, can we point out once again that Jesus uh, never banned abortion? Uh, His religion of Judaism never banned abortion. The book we call the Bible never bans abortion, never lays out any penalty for terminating pregnancies. Jesus did oppose the death penalty and Roe v. Wade affirmed the right for citizens to make their own reproductive health decisions without government intrusion. Roe took decades. They fought it. They fought it for decades. They finally captured the Supreme Court. The Republican Party is hell-bent on imposing extreme abortion bans all around the country. I once, as a young person, said these two parties were exactly the same. I will never say that again. Only one party is fighting for women's reproductive rights. Kamala Harris joined Biden at the Waukesha event, and here she is noting the importance reproductive health care has on maternal mortality. While these extremists say they are motivated by the health and well-being of women and children, in reality, they ignore the crisis of maternal mortality. The top 10 states with the highest rates of maternal mortality all have abortion bans. The hypocrisy abounds. Speaking of hypocrisy, uh, let's talk about Texas. Supreme Court, and I'll ask Professor Brett Schneider about this tonight, but the Supreme Court ruled the federal government is within their rights to remove dangerous razor wire laid in the Rio Grande River along the U.S.-Mexico border by Texas law enforcement. Notice what I said, the U.S.-Mexico border. Not the Texas-Mexico border, which is what Governor Abbott thinks it is. They have now granted the Biden administration's request to remove inhumane, dangerous impediments and razor wire set up by Greg Abbott along the southern border. Yes, the revoltingly fake Christianity of Greg Abbott, because right-wing Christians can't stop giving the finger to Jesus. Abbott tweeted tonight, this is not over. Texas's razor wire is an effective deterrent to the illegal crossings Biden encourages. I will continue to defend Texas's constitutional authority to secure the border and prevent the Biden administration from destroying our property. By the way, I I counted five lies in those three sentences. Maybe you found more than me. But um, Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh dissented. But Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett went with the sane lobby. By the way, since when is razor wire border security? Since when is any of this remotely Christian? You know, again, this guy, heal the sick is Christian. Take care of the afflicted. Take care of those in prison. Defend the oppressed. Welcome the stranger. That's a direct command from Jesus. Care for the less fortunate. Share the gospel. Pay your damn taxes. Don't execute people. Once in a while, raise somebody from the dead. Uh, At no point, at no point is there anything about razor wire in the Rio Grande River. Jesus' command, welcome the stranger. His right-wing American followers heard razor wire in the Rio Grande River. Who was the last governor to openly defy a Supreme Court decision? Was it George Wallace? Hmm? I I gotta figure that out. Now also, folks, can we please stop talking about Donald Trump's cognitive decline? Can we please stop talking about how he appears to really be slipping, at least long enough to point out that he's also an imbecile and liar? Because he came out over the weekend and multiple times blamed Nikki Haley for not taking care of capital security on January 6th. (laughs) 
Now, I could handle it if he said it once and it was just a brain fart. Biden does that. You do it. I do it. We all make mistakes. I'm trying to be generous to Donald Trump when he makes a mistake because I say the wrong thing on stage all the time. I know how easy it is. But he 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 said Nikki Haley's name several times. But we left out that it wasn't just wrong. It was a lie because the Speaker of the House was never in charge of Capitol Security on January 6th. So Nikki Haley's now talking about his cognitive decline. Here's Donald Trump. (laughs) And give a quick listen to this. Chris, I just sent this one over to you. But please, please go back to mocking his demented ravings. Here's Donald Trump challenging Nikki to a dementia test because, well, he's experienced with those. Um, So Nikki Haley says now she has the two-person race that she's always wanted. She has been coming after you strongly in the past few days. It's worked both ways, um, and you've come after her as well. She she keeps bringing up your age lately. What do you say about that? Well, I think I'm a lot sharper than her. I would do this. I would sit down right now and take an aptitude test, and it would be my result against her result, and she's not going to win. She's not going to even come close to winning. Uh, In fact, when I heard the word cognitive, you know, I've taken two of them now. I took one with Doc Ronnie, who's now a fantastic, you know, White House doctor and a fantastic uh, congressman from Texas, Admiral, the White House doctor, Jackson, Ronnie Jackson. And he's uh, now a great congressman from Texas. I took uh, one then and I took one recently. I think the result was announced and it was I aced it twice. I aced it. But I would say that, you know, I've actually called for a cognitive test for anybody running for president because I actually think that's a good idea. It'd be nice to have an intelligent Mm. person be president. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Here's here's the thing. Bragging that you passed two, you aced two dementia tests is a really fun way of telling the rest of us they made you take two dementia tests on a serious note. Not to get too maudlin, but sometimes someone dies and you're not surprised by the death, but it's, it's still a shock. You know what I mean? You're, you're, not, you're not surprised, but you're still, it's unsettling. And so I just want to say a few words about the sad and untimely and shocking death of Ron DeSantis' political career. It's so sad, isn't it? Oh, I just saw his campaign six months ago. It seems so healthy. Of course, I want you to know his, his campaign's not dead. It's gone asleep and it will stay asleep forever because it's not allowed to ever be fucking woke. Here, yesterday, Ron DeSantis withdrew from the 2024 presidential race. I had just sat down on my plane waiting for it to take off, and then the entertainment began. Here he is backing down from the Never Back Down campaign. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. My God, he's like every negative side effect of Ambien happening all at once. Now, okay. All right, let's talk about this. We've been talking about Ron for a long time, and I will admit this man was quite formidable. I was quite terrified he might become president a year ago. I had no idea how craven the Republican base was and how mediocre Ron would prove to be. But he ran in one state, came in second place. And you know how much money he spent to come in second place in Iowa? $150 million, visiting all 99 counties. $150 $150 million, $6,400 per vote. You got that? $20 million uh, from his DeSantis campaign and $130 million from Never Back Down Pack. $150 million. And he got 23,000 votes. 
$6,400 per vote. Like, here's some scale. When Michael Bloomberg ran in 2020, he only spent 450 per vote. And that dude won Guam, yo. He wailed. One of the greatest disasters in the history of presidential politics, Ron DeSantis. And today he showed he supports aborting a campaign, but only if it threatens the political life of the father. Our friend Allison Gill at Muller, she wrote, said DeSantis's Twitter campaign launch has just experienced a rapid, unscheduled assembly. <laughs> I know it's sad, people, but again, the important thing is that Ron DeSantis had the choice, and he chose to not bring this to term. He tweeted this quote, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill, which is both silly because he's literally announcing he's not continuing, and it's not a real Churchill quote, but the boy who cried woke. What a campaign. His whole campaign was designed around doubling down on the meanest parts of Trump, the meanest parts of the Republican Party that didn't go over well with voters in 2022. His Stop Woke Act and Don't Say Gay bill allowed any Yahoo in Florida to sue any teacher in any school or any school district for any reason, any reason, just because they felt like it. It helped absolutely no one. It wasn't censorship. It was forcing teachers to censor themselves out of fear of lawsuits. Didn't improve Florida. And Paul Krugman pointed out, we're all making fun of DeSantis' humiliation. We shouldn't forget his anti-vax crusade in service of his doomed run probably killed thousands of people. Helped no one. His disgusting stunt to migrants in Texas seeking legal asylum, lying to them with promises of green cards and jobs so they'd be on a plane they could traffic them from Texas to Massachusetts dishonestly and dump them on the Republican governor of Massachusetts. And he did it using COVID funds. And it was an ugly, mean stunt, and it helped no one. His six-week abortion ban, punishing poor pregnant women in his state with greater poverty. What does he want to do to help low-income women who find themselves pregnant? Nothing. It helps no one. And the book bans. Overwhelmingly, the books pulled for review from Florida shelves are overwhelmingly about black and brown stories or LGBT stories. And it helped no one. Show us any time in history when the people banning books were the good guys. His stupid war with Disney, the largest corporate employer in his state because Disney was insufficiently cruel to transgender children. It cost a lot of money. It humiliated DeSantis. He was beaten up by a mouse and it helped no one. When he came out and said, oh, slavery gave people in shackles for their entire life job skills they could use later in life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine when, you know, when they put their resume together on the plantation to apply to be slaves elsewhere? Imagine this guy reading Roots. Ah, why does Kunta Kinte keep running away from his free job training program? This might upset the child of racists. Ban it. Look, Ron DeSantis' campaign was nothing but a media fabrication. He tried to be meaner than Trump. The problem was, Trump has charisma. Ron doesn't. Terrible speaker. No charisma. And Trump owned him. I mean, Trump owned him. But in fairness, being owned by Trump will give Ron DeSantis job skills he can use later in life. Here's a quick clip of DeSantis earlier in the year warning against ever kissing Donald Trump's ring. He cares about you can be the most worthless Republican in America, but if you kiss the ring, he'll say you're wonderful. You can be the strongest, most dynamic, uh, successful Republican and conservative in America, but if you don't kiss that ring, then he'll try to trash you. You know what? You deserve a nominee that's going to put you first, not himself first. Guess what Ron did on his knees today? Oh, he slobbered on that ring. 
it was cringe. Trump has mocked this man and ridiculed this man and humiliated this man and probably wrecked his political career. So DeSantis gets on his knees and grovels before him. An Ivy League educated Navy lawyer who was a year ago one of the most popular governors in the country. And now he's groveling before this old racist reality show clown with 92 criminal charges. Never back down, backed what we call the hell down, and endorsed the man who mocked, defamed, and humiliated him. He joined the Church of Trump again, hoping, hoping he can run in 2028. He sold his soul to Donald Trump. Good move, Ron. That's never backfired before. Really quick, let's play Ron DeSantis being right about something. Like Trump's electability. Donald Trump is the nominee. The election will revolve around all these legal issues, his trials, perhaps convictions if he goes to trial and and loses there, uh, and about things like January 6th. Uh, We're going to lose if that's the decision that voters are making. Okay, so here we are. It's done. (laughs) Ron DeSantis, who tried as hard as he could to just smear people and always attack the marginalized, go into war with decency and morality and, and truth. And he's lost. He's lost so much. No matter what cruel political stunts, banning books, making it easy to sue teachers for acknowledging gay people exist, trafficking migrants onto a plane, none of it could overcome his mediocrity as a politician. And I know... It's not really like a happy story. Evil didn't lose out to good. Incompetent evil lost out to greater, but still incompetent evil that had product brand name loyalty. This was not a victory for virtue, I know. Celebrate it anyway. Celebrate someone doubling down on hatred and Trump-style xenophobia and failing. Florida has a transphobic governor who persecutes trans children while wearing high-heeled boots. The comedy's there, folks. The comedy's there. And you guys should realize, Ron DeSantis was supposed to be president. You understand, liberals? Really, he wasn't supposed to be a governor, not biologically. He presents as a governor, but he's a president trapped in a governor's body. He beat up so many trans children to please you, and you wouldn't let him transition to the presidency. Why won't you let him transition to be who he really is and live authentically? Let him be who he's supposed to be. It's not hurting you. It gets better, Ron. You know, (laughs) at the Southern Baptist Convention last year, 5,000 people voted to deny that transgender people even exist. And they say bisexuals are the confused ones. So farewell, transphobic Ron. I'm glad your beating up on trans kids didn't help you a bit. Because you can't really groom a child to be transgender. But you can groom an empty suit to believe he's Christian. Want to know what you think? We're at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with Professor Corey Brechneider and your calls. It's Progress After Dark. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. And we are at 866-997-4748. We're going to be joined by Professor Brett Schneider in just a moment. It was a pretty busy day at the Supreme Court. They sided with the Biden administration to um, not slaughter people in the water because they're so pro-life. Jesus. Let's go to the phones really quick while we have a second as uh, Corey Brechtschneider gets into position. Let's go to uh, Teresa in North Carolina. Teresa, good evening and welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Yeah. Hi. Hi. So, you know, I was thinking that maybe through all this crazy political brouhaha stuff, maybe Grisham, there might be a book for Grisham to write in the future, you think? <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking? About, about which oh, one? <laughs> Well, I don't know, but I'm sure he could weave it all together uh, <laughs> in a really good story. Yeah. I, can we call it presumed guilty? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. The liable lawyer. I'm just trying to think of like really, you know, yeah. snap up yeah. bad, good bad, title. bad, yeah. bad uh, parodies of John Grisham books. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote a Dr. Seuss book called The Trials of Comb Over Caligula, where I tried to keep all of his different criminal trials straight because it's so hard to keep track of them all. What? Doctor What? Doctor Seuss? Doctor Seuss. Yeah, I, I wrote a Doctor Seussian poem, a oh. book, because oh. I needed a way to keep track of all of Donald Trump's trials. So I just wrote this big long poem yeah. that's on oh. YouTube, uh, 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 like a Doctor Seuss book, to make sure because there's yeah. the four big ones, and there's also E. Jean Carroll, and there's the trial right now in New York for uh -huh. his real estate fraud. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would take John Grisham a long time, I think, to be able to connect all these various dots because Donald Trump really spread his banality and criminality around, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, you know, uh, I read in a school, I read in the school here in Asheville that my grand, one of my grandson says, why don't you read? Because the fifth or sixth grade, I go, no, what are they going to want? He said, read hmm. the Ooks and the Zooks by Dr. Seuss, because that's the the colors. One's orange, one's blue. And then they try mm. to outdo one another. And that was kind of interesting. I said, oh, my gosh, I've never heard of that one. So, mm. oh, well, you never know. You, I mean, I'm hoping. Him or Patterson, I'm hoping, too. <laughs> okay. I'm hoping God. let's it's going to be a really 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 fun year for fans of true crime and fans of justice taking hold of a perp. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of little moments of karma doing some lovely little warm-up stretches this year. So, you, let's you let's enjoy it together. Right. Hey, okay, listen, bye. we got to enjoy the year beyond the fact that it's going to be Lauren Boebert's last year of Congress. It might be Donald Trump's last year of civilian freedom. Thank you. Right now, allow me to bring in Professor Corey Brechneider, who continually classes up this show. One of the smartest men I've ever known. He, of course, is a professor in the political science department at Brown University, and he's written incredible analysis of the Trump administration over the years for Politico, New York Times, Time Magazine. You should get his book, The Oath in the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents at your favorite bookstore, because there's new one's coming out in a couple of months, and that's going to be all I talk about once it's out. Please welcome back to the show, Professor Corey Brechneider. Hi, Corey. Welcome. Hey. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure and looking forward to the conversation. 
Well, there's so much to talk about and uh, both the really, really scary news that maybe the government's never going to be able to regulate anything anymore. But let's <laughs> let's talk about something that was a bit surprising and encouraging. Um, the five four to uphold the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. talk about this five to four Supreme Court ruling with the Biden administration on Texas razor yeah. wire. Yeah. So um, Texas is sort of taking it upon itself, as we know, and uh, the right-wing Republicans in Texas in particular, to try to take over immigration policy. And so building these fences against the wishes of the federal government, which is really charged with policing the border and, and setting policy in regard to immigration. And so the question before the Supreme Court is, you know, can states basically usurp this traditional federal power and in the lower courts, these Trump judges got a hold of this case and basically said, <laughs> you know, it turns out the Confederacy was right. This is an exaggeration, but this is the, the worry that, that there is no supremacy clause and states can really make these decisions on their own. But, you know, that was, right. I guess it's not an exaggeration. That is what the Civil War was about, the supremacy clauses <laughs> in the original Constitution. But that really solidified the idea that we have a federal government when it makes laws, it trumps the laws of uh, local government and right um you know the 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 matter of immigration is not supposed to be state by state for obvious reasons that uh you need a uniform policy the the border is a national border and so if you have each state really making its own policies that that would be a disaster uh yeah. so this wasn't a uh a written out opinion we don't get a deep reasoning here but it's a clear reversal of this attempt by uh, Texas to, to try to usurp the federal role in, in setting immigration policy and doing it in a cruel way, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 very cruel. It's interesting to see that, you know, Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett apparently are now the semi co swing votes here. I guess not a huge surprise. It was Thomas Alito, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, who all all those good Catholic men who find lacerating the stranger with razor wire in the river to be acceptable. <laughs> But but, you know, I was saying at the top of the show, this all comes down to the fact that Greg Abbott has been arguing it's not the United States border. It's the Texas border. And I'm yeah. trying to think of when we've seen a governor openly defy a Supreme Court since George Wallace, the way Greg Abbott is promising he will do. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the Civil War. I guess it's not an exaggeration. That the idea of secession was we can do whatever we want. We're not subject to national policy. And you saw a resurgence of those kind of arguments in response to civil rights laws. Uh, and, you know, this is, I think, a, a parallel also with civil rights era, 1964 and 1965. Congress finally took it upon itself to make national legislation that guaranteed basic rights. And the southern most segregated and, and radical states rebelled with this language of uh, states' rights. They passed a, they wrote a southern manifesto that essentially tried to nullify federal law and mm -hmm. the courts push back against that now this is a you know different issue it's immigration but i do think that it's you know about the idea of a uniform policy consistency across the states and an attempt at decency uh even if this issue is so fraught and uh the court really said to to texas no you're not going to just usurp this federal role and take it upon yourself uh you know it would have been nice to see uh written out opinion about this. And it's interesting to me that they essentially punted on giving reasons. And uh, this yeah. is like a shadow docket kind of case in which an order is just given. 
So, you know, I'm not sure why they did that. I guess they didn't want to take as firm a stance as they could have. Yeah, but I think they don't want to make too much out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they know Donald Trump is going to be attacking them by name tomorrow for letting illegals, right. you know, poison the blood of our country. I think they wanted to try to have right. this be as low-key as they could. Right, and that really speaks to the moment, the common sense. They didn't really do anything aside from uphold the most basic part of the Constitution that says that federal law is supreme and Trump's state law. And, you know, in this moment, the Republican uh, soon-to-be nominee is just, uh, you know, going to turn every issue into that. And then, and and conservative moderate opinion is seen yeah. as radical left. And uh, that really speaks to where we are. And, Corey, is it is it overstating it too much to say, though, that this ruling today... I mean, is 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 literally going to save lives? You know, the Fifth Circuit had sided with Texas earlier, and now with the Supreme Court yeah. actually putting their foot down, there's really nothing Greg Abbott can do. I mean, once again, uh, the Border Patrol has the right to get in there. We just lost two people, three, three migrants drowned in the last few days in that section of the Rio Grande that Abbott's troopers were not letting Border Patrol have access to. Like, not to be too lofty, but... Lives are literally going to be saved because Roberts and Barrett crossed over today, right? Yeah, I think it's a, it is. A, I mean, that's why I was trying to draw the parallel to the civil rights era statutes. And, you know, it's not explicitly a civil rights issue in the way that was. The, those, that, those really writ, wrote into law the idea of basic rights. Now, I'd love to see immigration laws that did similar things, that had a, a Bill of Rights for uh, those crossing the border, for instance, to be treated at least in accordance with basic human rights. So it doesn't exactly do that explicitly. It's about the power of the federal government to not mm. be usurped by the states. But when the federal government is the one acting decently and the states are the ones trying to really violate the rights of migrants, I think it's it's got an element, a fundamental element of that. So I completely agree. It is about, you know, explicitly it's about power of the federal government versus the states, but mm-hmm. really it's about, about basic rights, human rights. Well, Professor, let me shift gears a bit. Well, let's talk about indecency, because I want to shift gears now to a a darker course the Supreme Court's taking um, that I think will actually affect the lives of every American much more than anything that happens at the border. And, uh, you know, we've been hearing for a long time our right wing friends saying we have to get rid of this administrative state. Regulations are choking us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Progressives have said for a long time we're we're talking about not polluting. We're talking about poisons in the air and the water. We're talking about controlling AI and trying to battle climate change and stop poisoning and, you know, in your children's soil. And it seems like it's all coming down to the Supreme Court reviewing the Chevron defense from 30 years ago uh, to decide if they want to take away our government's ability to actually regulate things for the safety of the American people. It, it, it seems like I, I can't do justice to how crazy and scary these words are that I'm saying, Corey. <laughs> what, what is the Chevron defense for those who don't know? And, and what's going on? What's at stake here? I do think I'll start with what's at stake because because you start to lay it out. You know, there was a moment during the New Deal uh, when FDR's idea that government needed to provide for basic goods, freedom from want. He said we have to address and uh, freedom isn't just about, you know, not being uh, stopped by the government. If you want to say something, it's about ensuring the basic welfare of the American people. And labor regulation, uh, later on environmental regulation, that's a lot of what's at stake in the, in the, in the current uh, question that we're going to talk about. 
but really the existence of a, a administrative state, a part of the federal government that's charged with the general welfare. Now, how does that operate? The way it operates is that there are authorizations by Congress that then allows the administrative state to uh, have discretion to figure out where the needs are and to and to do Congress's bidding by carrying out specific regulations. So in a case called Chevron, that common sense explanation that I just gave was it's sort of given a legal framework. And what the court said in Chevron, a unanimous opinion, by the way, not conservative or liberal, is right. look, sometimes laws are written in a way that are ambiguous. And when that happens, the court isn't supposed to just come in and say what the answer should be or write the law. They just defer to the experts, that the experts in these agencies, like the Environmental Protection Agency, are supposed to tell us, okay, it's ambiguous, but this is the, the best interpretation of the rule. And the court sort of gives leeway to the administrative state with the idea that, that um, you know, that's how the general welfare is provided for in this country is through expertise. And the conservatives on this court really don't like this doctrine. And I think at heart, they're very, you know, as you said, they're skeptical of the existence of the administrative state of an EPA. Yeah. So they might just get rid we of We the this. people have no right to elect yeah. people who will look out for we the people, essentially, is the argument. Yeah. And, you know, it would make it very hard to make law. And what they really want to say is that, you know, there's no deference to these agencies, that really the court's going to come in and second guess everything. And if something's unclear, Basically, what it amounts to is these agencies are going to stop, be stopped from protecting the environment or from using the laws that have been passed to protect the environment. And if they reverse the case, they're, they're going to, to really, ha in the name of protecting Congress's power, I should say, that's how they'll put it. They'll say that this is all about not allowing unelected bureaucrats to... Right take the place of elected. That's what they always said. They always said, we don't want uh, these liberal activist judges legislating from the bench. Right. Corey, I grew up hearing this right. all the time. These <laughs> liberal judges, you're usurping the power from the executive and legislative, and we need strict constructionists, right? It was all, it was right. complete bullshit all the time, wasn't it? And, and this is, you know, this is a version of, of strict textualism trying to usurp, really, the power of the federal government to protect the general welfare. That's, that's what it comes down to. And what they'll replace it with is a, a new idea that says everything's got to be decided by Congress. And if things are unclear, I think what it's going to amount to is uh, they're just not going to allow the federal government to act. And there is a, a libertarianism underneath it, an attack on progressivism or on the progressive channel. And the yeah. idea that government really should be, should be active in, in, what, fighting environmental destruction. It comes, of course, at the most dangerous time when we face a threat from environmental destruction, from... AI, I mean, you name it. There are all sorts of Well, let's, let's name it because, I mean, like, we're, we're, I mean, spikes in pollution, huge spikes in pollution in all yep. forms, um, all kinds of digital madness with AI that can't be regulated or controlled in any way, and, uh, and financial predators coming back to go after right. your grandma any way they can. I mean, like, they're just going to unleash the worst, most toxic, corrosive predators in our culture to run roughshod over cult, over our society and our environment in the name of uh, freedom. I think. I mean, they're, yeah. they're shifting political power to the judiciary away from the other two branches of government. I mean, the right. Supreme Court, I'm right. thinking after Roe v. Wade, are these going to be the guys making policy decisions regardless of how the majority of voters vote? Absolutely. You know, two, two things on that. First of all, it, it is like Roe and that the court is 
upending a, a fundamental way that government operates and fundamental protections of government. And yet here, unlike Roe, Roe was front page news. I, I've, you know, the oral argument was last week and I'm looking for news coverage. It's <laughs> just so little yeah. because it's yeah. obscure and we've explained it. We have the time on the show to really lay it out, but people don't get it. News journalists aren't covering it. And it's, it's equally important, certainly to the destruction of Roe, but it's hard to explain. And I, I'm sure it's going to go over the heads of of many Americans and not cause the outrage that it should. Yep. And, you know, what is it doing? It's, it is a hamstringing environmental protection agency, but it, to my mind, it's really cutting into the idea of the, the very ability to legislate, to make law. Yes, because exactly. if every time you make a law, you have somebody looking down your throat and say, no, you didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard to, to actually make law. That sounds like a simple thing. Okay. You know, pass the law. We also no schoolhouse rock, but what this is doing is making it very difficult to pass to to yeah. legislate to do the work. And I have to mention it again, that Professor. I, handing over discretion, and I, I have to say it again: these rulings do not reflect the will of the American people, yes. because the makeup right. of judges do not reflect the will of the American people. These six judges that keep on making the future so interesting for unborn yeah. Americans, well, three of them were from Trump who the majority of Americans voted against. Majority of Americans support abortion rights. Majority of Americans voted against Trump. And yet somehow Trump got to appoint three judges that took away abortion rights. George W. Bush put two of them on there. He got into the White House after losing the popular vote of the American people. Only Clarence Thomas. He's the only right wing justice who was appointed by a president the majority of Americans voted for and a president who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. But let's not put too fine a point on it. I mean, at what point do we stand up and say this does not reflect the will of the American people or the yeah. voters in our democracy? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's beautifully put. And, you know, let, let me put it in Trump language because we, we've been using sort of sophisticated language to talk about this. But Trump ran against what he called the deep state, uh, what he thought of as bureaucrats who are unaccountable to him, who are basically trying to curb business when it threatened America, when it was going That's to it. create pollution. And that, the deep state, the deep state, well, this is a, a, a subtle version of cutting into the power of what Trump would call the deep state. It's done through a nuanced case, Chevron, and through, uh, you know, all these complicated doctrines about deference, but really that is what it's about, usurping the power of the laws to be implemented and ultimately of the will of the people, as you say. Corey, in our final couple minutes, let's just talk one more time about the legal arguments to get Trump disqualified from the ballot. It looks like Massachusetts is not going to throw him off the ballot. But I mean, we've discussed this in the past. Confederates didn't need to be convicted to be disqualified from running for office, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't get enough of looking into the details of these arguments. And as I, I did, we did talk about it again, but I think some interesting research has started to come out. So there's a, a great historian called Mark Graber at the University of Maryland. He just looked through all these instances. Um, this is on the first issue of whether or not the president is an officer. And the argument is that the president is not an officer and so isn't covered by Section 14.3, unlike Congress people, for instance. And what Graber showed is basically again and again, the president was the topic. The president was the danger. The president was the loaded gun. And the president was referred to as an officer, except if it was Southern Democrats who were coming mm -hmm. around and saying the president's not an officer because they really wanted to end 
reconstruction and to protect and to basically ensure that former Confederates could potentially take over the office of president. So I, I thought that was fascinating and an, a kind of update to all of this, that the, the history really, there's no doubt about it in my mind. And, you know, the same is true, too, of that argument, the second argument that you mentioned, which is, does he need to be convicted by a court of insurrection? And I think the yeah. argument there has to do with the structure of these amendments. They were all about empowering not courts, but uh, the people and the, and Congress acting in order to stop an insurrection. So I, I don't think there's any need to rely on courts here. I think the people who passed this amendment were not talking about convicting somebody of a crime, but of barring them from the ballot. And there's more than Boom. enough evidence to suspect, you know, right there that court should say he committed insurrection. Professor Corey Brettschneider, somehow you make me look forward to Mondays every week. What is the best way for our audience to uh, follow you and your work? And when does the new book come out? Uh, July 2nd. You could pre-order it. It's called The Presidents and the People. And the subtitle is Five Leaders Who Threatened Democracy and the Citizens Who Fought to Defend It. And it's about the simple idea. We'll talk more about it, but that we've been here before. We've had other presidents who have threatened democracy and the people fought back and won. Not courts, but the people prevailing on subsequent presidents to restore democracy. Beautiful. That's how it's going to be. Professor Corey Brettschneider, thank you once again for inspiring me when I need it. we got to take a quick break. We will be back in just a moment with your calls. Our number is 866-997-4748. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying Let's go back to the phones, shall we? Sean and Callie, welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Sean, you there? Hey, brother. It was Sean. so wonderful to see you Thank in you. your show. It was an excellent show. And I was so glad to see you live. And uh, I have to give it props because I want everyone out there to know this. Uh, Stephanie Miller, by the way, kudos to her because she's like the head of the, the amazing show. And you guys were just amazing. It was <laughs> very energetic. It was extremely proficient in your knowledge about what's going on. And it was so entertaining. I was la I clapped so hard, man. I om I almost got those calluses and uh, uh, you're so kind, sir. Calluses. 
I want yeah, everyone I to know it was a pleasure for me. Uh, and I told Chris and Thea, it was a pleasure to finally get to meet Bill from Cali. Uh, really an honor to meet you. Much more of an honor to meet your wife, who is just stunning and well put together and totally cool and groovy. What, Chris? Well, uh, Chris, you jumping in here? Yeah, I, said I hope so. What did I say? Nothing. Never mind. Go on. Okay, I said Sean and Callie, and I got to meet Sean and Callie's wife the other night, and it was such a pleasure. Did you guys yeah, talk about well, me? Well, did I did I accidentally call him Pelosi? I do that sometimes. I call the wrong people Pelosi, and I'm sorry <laughs> if I called you Nancy Pelosi. I meant to talk about Nikki Haley. I apologize. But um, I hope your wife enjoyed the show. And I'll tell you what I said, Sean, to Chris and Thea. Uh, I was not prepared for what a handsome man you are. Seriously, you blew me away. You blew me away. And um, really, oh, really an honor and really, really a pleasure. And I, I hope I ask your wife to forgive us for stealing you from her all those evenings. Well, you you gave me a very wonderful bunch of compliments, and I appreciate that. And, and uh, yeah, my better half, though, she's not just stunning. She's brilliant. So, yes, she's I brilliant. agree with you on all accounts. And, yes. uh, and it, but the show, by the way, I'm so happy you guys came our way because that was so um, amazing. And and the Herbst Theater, by the way, got to give props. Look, it's a I'm not just place. trying to be an agent here. I'm saying it was a wonderful place to watch you. There was great restaurants all around the area, and we went there and then came to the show, you know, uh, and my goodness, it was so – and I got to – the only person I felt bad, I didn't get a selfie with Stephanie, uh, but I did talk to her. But I, I didn't see Glenn Kirshner. I felt bad. Oh, I didn't no. get to see him in the, in the meet and grope area. Wasn't but. he great, though? It's so much fun. Glenn's doing, done He's like awesome. four or five of these shows. And to have him come on for the panel after all, like two hours of dirty jokes and suddenly have a grown up show up. It's really great. But I, I want to thank you, Sean, because I was so honored to show you uh, what I do and to show you what my, my day job is and uh, and to have you and your wife there. And again, you've been such a, a great fan of the show. And what I've, I've said to Chris and Thea is, you know, I live in New York City. I don't get to talk to a lot of people who live in cars. So very often to talk to folks who listen to SiriusXM, I have to leave town. And it's so wonderful to get to meet anyone who's a fan of the show. But uh, honestly, you've been such a great caller. I learned so much from you. You've been so supportive for so long. And uh, seriously, I was just like thrilled to meet you. And uh, again, your, your wife's a knockout. You can tell her. Uh, and, and you're a very handsome man yourself. So I'm deeply in, envious of both of you. Well, the feeling is mutual, and we love you, and we love the show, and we love – I love Thea. I love Chris. I love the way your your radio show goes off because it's not that easy to do all of this. And by the way, I, I want to ask the staff, I mean, does John even sleep? I mean, you were, you were so amazing and, by the way, energetic and physical, the whole show. Anyway – but, I do know, not sleep. No, is, I do uh, not. I do not sleep. And if you don't believe me, watch that MSNBC clip and see how exhausted I look. I'm working on that this year. I'm trying. Well, you look beautiful and, and you just keep, you know, we'll talk. But I'll tell you what, man, we're in this together because right now it's all about making sure we don't end this opportunity to speak to the people about these serious issues with some levity, with some fun with some comedy and this is what you do and i love the show and by the way you know when we listen to the republicans yes all of us agree that they're full of shit and they're they have no balls and they have no their courage and that's true 
But you have to frame it in a sense like, let's make fun of this. Because when they say you can't make this up, oh, we're not making it up. It's real. So let's just keep being, you know, keep fighting, keep making Amen. sure we win these elections. Great. Because if we don't, yeah, if we don't, right on, you man. know, it's going to get knuckleheaded. These knuckleheads <laughs> come out all the time. But I was so, it was so great to see you. And thank you for being so kind and saying such thank you. kind oh, words. Thank you. Arlie, Arlie, Arlie. Love no, you, no, no, that's not me. I love you right back. Really a pleasure to meet you, Sean. Thank you so much for, for calling us. And thank your wife again for us. Uh, Absolutely. You, She's the best. 866-997-4748. Now, I want to explain my, my little Freudian slip I had a second ago there because I, I, I've talked to Sean and Callie many, many times. I've also talked to, you know, Beachside Bill in Florida many times. But right now, as I was talking to Sean and Callie, this article from Florida Today came up. And it turns out that I was I had this on my screen the exact second I was talking to Sean. And uh, that's why I called him Bill, because... This article in Florida Today, I'm going to say, share on our show page on Twitter and on our, uh, our, our Facebook page. Beachside Bill, welcome back to the show. You are uh, pretty famous. You've donated 150 gallons of blood over the years, and he plans to keep it flowing. Finally, an article about your brilliance uh, with a great photo of you as well. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good evening and, and welcome to all. But I have to thank you personally, John, because you're the one... Uh, I think I called about a year and a half ago when I first called you and I'd mentioned about a bunch of things we were talking and I'd mentioned blood. And at the time, uh, I gave you my name. We followed each other on Twitter, which we still do. And, and I lost my chain of thought, but anyway, well, a year, a year uh, ago, you know, but because you, you, you inspired me for it. You opened up the door for me to talk about it. So thank you. That's what Uh, what I was talking about. You've been been giving copy. No, this article, I'm learning your whole story, Bill. If you want to learn all about Beachside Bill uh, and your last name and your, your lovely photo, but it said when you started making regular blood donations, you were in your thirties. So 150 gallons and a bucket load of extended arm time later, the, uh, the, you are now old enough for Medicare, uh, and yet you're still doing it. I'm going to share this article with everyone, because everyone should do what you're doing. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, it's much to do, like I said in the article, when I first began donating, it was just, uh, you know, something I made an extra dollar an hour at the time for the city. And and now now it's more inspiring. Like I've told you this before, John, I, I donate for children now, children with cancer. You can see you can see how I have to give Britt Kennerly. She wrote the article. I have to give her credit. She really did a lot of research for it. I gave her yeah. a lot of the information, you know what I said. But I, my blood goes to children with cancer, and that and I mentioned that young girl uh, in the article too, Talia Castellanato, and and I mm-hmm. met her once and. And I think about her. She inspired me a lot because I know that's where my blood goes. I've told you this before. I won't be too long because I've blatted on about it. But she inspired <laughs> me, and she was on Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres gave her a, a makeup her. Uh, beauty. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Ellen did. It's on YouTube and all that. Listen, so I just got to say, though, out, honestly, Bill, you're, you're an inspiration to us, especially me and Chris, because I don't, I'm not proud of this, but Chris and I actually, we, we donated to children's cancer, uh, uh, not to the children, to the actual cancer. Yeah. We were really bad. We really were bad at fundraising, uh, and we accidentally did a fundraiser for cancer. So we're, we're the, as evil as it comes. You, however, are the brilliant, <clears throat> compassionate man who is making a difference. And honestly, my mom was a nurse. 
just like yours, and you have inspired me to see if my dirty disease blood is acceptable enough for my local blood bank. Because I sure used to do it, it all be, the time. Be, be, used to do it all the time. I got to get back into it. It, it. It's just something you know they ask you about. You know the thing about it is that they didn't did, did mention the article. <clears throat> excuse me, is the, uh, the LGBTQ community, and I've known yes. gay people over the years who have donated blood, and they never said anything. You know, I went, you know, now they can do it freely, and I encourage them. Please go donate, especially gay men, because we need them. Uh, we need. We need. You know. They're, they're, I encourage them, and I put donating blood like in voting and 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 jury duty and and it's, and it's, driving. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a privilege. It's something I've been given. That I, it, it's something that uh, uh, I just it's it's a talent or whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, it's love, man. But, it's uh, love I, for America. It's love to America. Yeah. It's love for America. It's love for strangers. And I began the show by saying there's only two things that have ever 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 been good for America: love and defeating hate. So I, I just admire so much what you're doing, and you really, really uh, have made me want to get back into the habit of doing it, because I would like people to ask me why I look so tired and dizzy for reasons other than that I work till midnight every night. So I'm going to have to start being low blood sugar as well. I, I I'm appreciate it. I'm in it for the Oreos, man. Thing. Yes, really quick. Yeah. Go ahead. One, one quick thing. Well, really quick. I, I, I mentioned to you about three months ago about the Sexy Liberal Tour, and I'm not asking you, but I did mention this, that if you were coming to Orlando, imagine the uh, the audience you would have, Ana Escamani and Carlos Guerrero Smith trying, and Nikki Freed. We have been trying know, to bring I'm this thing to Orlando asking, for 10 years. I know. Well, I'm just putting a pitch out there. I mentioned it, and I hope, because I'll be there. I'll even show up, like Sean and Callie. Right. I'll be there and Listen, get my ass out of the fucking house. We're, we're, we're not lot, able but... to announce anything yet. We are in talks with a company about doing a big tour this year for the election, and uh, we're just waiting to find out when we can make an announcement. But I hope really, really hard that uh, I'm going to be spending a lot more time on the road this year, uh, because um, it's the right year to do it. We had such a good time doing the show the other night, and uh, I can't wait to get on the road more. People are really excited and really engaged, and it's going to be an amazing year. They're going to be trying to gaslight us and make us all depressed and make us feel like this is hopeless. The media does this. The politicians do it. Not me. I refuse to get down about Trump or any of this awfulness. I am going to be here with hope and good humor the entire time. I refuse to get gaslit into negativity about this election. It's going to be hilarious this year, and uh, I'm here for it, and I hope to give blood so others can be here for it too, Bill. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Our time's out. So we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and don't ever call here again, by the way. Thank you so much, Bill. It's really a pleasure. Thank you. I kid. We were at 866-997-4748. Chris, you saw the photo. Bill's like a groovy looking guy. Bill looks like he could play bass and fish. Uh, maybe, he, maybe, he, maybe he did. If, if you play a show in Orlando that he gets to go to, you have to insist that he bring all 150 gallons of blood with him. He gave uh, it away. I on, can't. I'll make him I'll make him I'll make him bring a few new gallons of blood. Just bring it on stage with him. Or you could bring him on stage and present him with some some fresh blood for the donations. You know what? Just if saying. my act is going poorly, I'll actually perform a transfusion on stage live with him. John, I'm, a, I'm a marketing guru. That's called synergy. That's called synergy right there. Really? That's what that word means? Let me write that down. Okay, great. I'm ready to be president now. Um, you know who I'm ready to have be president? Is Rhonda Hansom. She's a stand-up comic. She's a writer. She's a director. She's an actress. If you are as ready as me to finally have America get its shit together and put a goddamn black woman in the White House, you are my man. Rhonda has opened for Anita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin. She does great solo shows. Uh, and, of course, um, you can always hear her uh, on uh, Politipod, on SoundCloud. For me, Rhonda is 
one of the truth tellers that scares the fascists. Miss Handsome, happy Monday. Welcome back. I'm black, y'all. Thank God you are. How are you, Miss Handsome? I'm great, John. I'm really great. I had such a fabulous weekend. I did storytelling on a, a, a new show out at the Brooklyn uh, Art House uh, on a show called We're All Gonna Die. And uh, I did a brand new story that I have never done before. It, it, it was just it, so exciting about suicide. <laughs> and really, it went gr- it went great. You know, well, suicide is never funny unless you're a comedian. They, you got to well, yeah. do something, you know. It, that's and, one of uh, the trickiest things to make funny, I got to say. One of the trickiest subjects to make funny. Well, it, well, it was uh, it was touch and go for a minute because a relative, actually a relative called me. Uh, an adult, 34-year-old male, called me and started saying he was going to blow his brains out, you know. And I I said, do you have a permit for that gun? And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you got to do what you can, John. But uh, I I had a... I had a great time at the show. I had a great oh, time. I'm so glad. I'm I'm so yeah. glad, Rhonda. I'm I'm glad someone had a great weekend because my other favorite Rhonda, uh Rhonda Santis, not so great a weekend. You're the Rhonda I like. That Rhonda I could do without, but um it was pretty cringe. You know, he he finally uh, Mr. Never Back Down, back down, and immediately endorsed Donald Trump, uh the man who has mercilessly abused and berated him, even though there is absolutely no need to do this so early in the process. Here's a quick little clip of Ron DeSantis finally groveling before the man he thought he'd replace. A6. Clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. <laughs> Rhonda, let's get past the lies that were in that little paragraph. There were so many microaggressions to Donald Trump, so many little fuck you splintered throughout there. It's going to be really fun watching this man be very bitter and never become the president. That uh, The job that the media essentially gave him two years ago. Well, he said he couldn't see a pathway to victory, John. But the thing is, he could see the pathway. It's just that he couldn't walk it in those white go-go boots. (laughs) Well, come on. Not every transphobic man can make it in high heels, Rhonda. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's a he's a real prize package. And but you have you have to know that every time you would bring him up on the show, I would say, is he still running? And, no. and finally, he has stopped. He has finally stopped. And uh, everybody's uh, kissing the ring now, it, it seems like, even though he's uh, got the microaggressions. I, I think everybody's going to bow down and kiss the ring and uh do what they think has to be done to to curry favor with uh, the uh, orange uh, lie master. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's going to be, a, I think, a really interesting year. I, I don't see Nikki Haley 
really doing much. I think the media needs a horse race and they've pushed this thing as long as they can. And I think Donald Trump is going to give her a, a solid walloping tomorrow in New Hampshire. Well, Nikki Haley is this week, I'd say Nikki Haley is doing a lot, which is mostly imploding on herself. She she can't get her stuff right. She couldn't say slavery. I mean, uh, she has no uh, no concept about what racism is. She said that America was never a racist country. And then she said she experienced it i you know she's uh she she's i think she's imploding even before donald can blow her up i think you're exactly right but you know there's all kinds of fuckery going on in uh in the state of new hampshire right now there's a lot of different scandals a lot of different controversies but i think the weirdest one we've been so worried about being replaced by machines i'm now going to start worrying about our president being replaced by a machine, Rhonda, because over the weekend, somebody, we don't know who yet, but I really think we deserve to know, made an AI robocall that was attributed to the Biden campaign. And it was either an AI voice or someone doing an impression altered by AI. Biden's not officially on the Republican ballot in New Hampshire, but state Democrats are doing a lot of write-in campaigns and a lot of people are showing up to vote against Donald Trump. Here's a quick clip. What a bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. Now, I knew it was a fraud, Rhonda, because he he said malarkey and the real Biden stopped saying malarkey. He's going for younger voters now by saying poppycock. Uh, But um, overall, a chilling impersonation and someone uh, who does not support Biden spent the money to have that robocall in thousands of houses in New Hampshire to discourage uh, people turning up for the open primary of the state tomorrow. John, I... The whole thing is kind of chilling to me because every day I feel more and more like I cannot trust anything I hear or see. I already know I can't trust what I eat, breathe and drink. And now with AI coming in strong, you know, it was tiptoeing along. And now it is I think it's going to take over our lives. I there's no way for the common person to actually know that that's not uh, Joe Biden uh, that's correct. making making that statement. Or Democrats. And, uh, yeah, and it's go- it's going to get worse. It, it, it's going to get worse. Well, we you know we've already seen even the visual. This was just the audio. We've already seen how the visual can be manipulated into just anything that the AI wants to create, real or or fantastic. Oh, it's true, but it's it's kind of terrifying. I mean, this is election interference. This is voter fraud. And I think uh, I really hope they can find a way to to put some defibrillator pads and shock Merrick Garland back to life to make him do something about this. Well, the, the thing about this is when you say it's voter fraud, it looks like we don't get around to policing voter fraud and investigating it until well past the the voting stage. It takes <laughs> oh God, like another so year and a half or two years just to investigate what the heck was going on. Uh, Miss Hanson, we have a number of callers from our evil army of the night who want to say hello. Do you want to talk to somebody before the break? 
definitely. Let me go to Lou in Indiana, who's been on hold forever. Lou, thank you so much for your patience. You're on progress with the lovely Rhonda Handsome. Hi, John. Hi, Rhonda. Hey. Hi there, Lou. Hey. Hi. So, uh, listening to Bill always chokes me up, and, um, you know, I want to just say that uh, anything people can do for children's cancer is uh, very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Close to uh, my uh, heart. Um me too. My son passed away from cancer a number I'm of years so ago. So sorry. How, how? What's what's your son's name? Mikey. Mikey Williams. How old? So, how old was Mikey? How old was Mikey when we lost him? He, uh, he was four, diagnosed seven when he went north. Mm. Um, and we did uh, golf outings for him and raised uh, a good good amount of money so forth for him um during that and uh gave it to uh the uh, uh christ hospital or um i'm sorry that's where he was at christ hospital but uh gave it to the university of chicago hope children's hospital um for research and so forth uh, we had to kind of give it up after a while i've talked to you before um I'm i know you have but i but, but I, you, I remember the story but i i don't i hope you don't mind my asking i just want to honor him and i want to honor you for for your love because i've had loved ones who've been in the same position as you and uh i really really appreciate the strength uh, it takes to talk about it and it makes others feel less alone so thank you yeah sometimes i uh I feel like I got to talk to somebody, and I, I kind of like talking to you. It's, it's <laughs> something I feel like I got to do every once in a while. But um, um, listen, most men feel better about themselves after spending time with me. That's all I need to say to you. Most men feel great about everything related to them after about ten minutes in my company. No, so it's just I, I want to say that, um, and uh, just how much I appreciate you. Um, I was. <laughs> Um, in a situation recently, and uh, uh, had a friend come and told me who actually this guy actually had uh, put together a little league field and named it after my son, and it's oh. so honored. How sweet! It's, oh, yeah, it's ridiculous, Rhonda. I, I'm going to hold my stuff together. Oh, I can say shit here. I'm going to hold my shit together. Um, okay. So anyway, so he he helped me out with a certain situation, and I go. Um, and he's intelligent, so he <laughs> he knows of you and other people. And so I said, dude, I have tickets for uh, Sexy Liberal in August, and um, um, I, won't, I, I, I actually I bought two tickets, and I'm not – even though I was a teacher for 30 years, uh, that was when chalkboards were what we used <laughs> – <laughs> and um, I didn't, I didn't know how to use like you know phones and stuff. And I bought two tickets, but I wanted VIP tickets, and I didn't get them. So I went back and I bought VIP VIP uh, <laughs> tickets as well. So I have okay. four tickets. So I go, dude, thank you so much. I want you to come with us. And he's like, yes, that's my anniversary. However, and I'm like, oh my god, mm. we're gonna do this, and. You know, I told him everything about you guys. And he well, he, he heard of the uh, That's great. the deal on Stephanie Rule and so forth. And oh, uh, okay, so we're we're working on that. And I just felt like I had to uh, reach out and let you know that uh, I love it. Thank you're you. hitting us. You're hitting us. Well, thank yeah, you, I mean, man. You know, I appreciate that. You're very my, kind. My heartstrings. I... 
You know, Lou is my godfather's name, and I love how much you love your son. Uh, it's really an honor to, to have you call our show. And listen, it's going to be a lot of fun in Chicago this summer. I'm going to be bringing the show out there, and we'll be do. I was telling Glenn Kirshner because he's going to be joining us. We're going to be doing the show. They tell me from the Democratic convention, like we'll be there in the building at a table in a hallway doing this and catching delegates and such. So uh, we'll be a really fun way to spend that. But the really exciting thing is on the eve of the convention beginning, we are going to do at least one big show in Chicago. I'm trying to talk them into doing a matinee as well. So please, as we get closer to the day, let me know and I'll make sure that you uh, get access to the uh, the VIP meet and greet. So, oh, yeah, I I want you to have a chance to. Oh, you got them already. Well, then I'll make sure you oh, have a chance I to grope Stephanie those. Miller. No, that, that's why I said I, I got oh, then the, the two other you, ones, but I went back and got the two VIP, so I had the uh, two extra ones. Okay. So, well, well, well yeah. no matter what, I'll make sure that you get to grope Stephanie Miller like thousands of other men have before you. Okay? <laughs> and we're staying at the Swiss, too. So, nice. you know, I, I, I just want to I wanna tell you that ahead of time. Um, I'm okay. a sweeper guy. Chris will remember the Pelican situation, I'm sure. Sure, uh, of course. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You, there you go. We had we okay. had like a fifteen minute conversation. I go back and listen to it. I'm like, why in the hell did they let <laughs> me remember. on for fifteen minutes? But it must You're have a been a slow man. night. <laughs> well, and thanks for telling us all. Thanks for telling us all the hotel you'll be in. That's exciting. Uh, I can't tell you where I'm staying, but the tour puts me up in a great place. It rhymes with uh, West Bestern, so uh, you can find me there. <laughs> we gotta hit a break. Uh, thank you so Love much for you. the call, Lou. Thank you. Love you back, Miss Rhonda. Can you stay with us through the break and talk to more riffraff? Absolutely. We are at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with your calls. 866-997-GRIT. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Sirius XM Progress. We are joined by the lovely Miss Rhonda Hansom, one of my favorite comics, and taking your call at 866-997-4748. Rhonda, listen, I know our Republican friends care a lot about family first, but um, this one House Republican uh, in Kentucky may have gone a little too far. This is Nick Wilson, who won Survivor in 2018, and he introduced a bill that proposed removing first cousins from a list of unlawful incestuous relationships. 
Yeah, he I was going to say he put the KY in Kentucky, but Chris pointed out, no, he put the KY in his cousin. Um, I, listen, other than Rudy Giuliani, I don't know who'd be that excited about this. But uh, what, what did you make of this when you heard about well, it? Well, John, I just I felt like this guy must have been in the frame of mind that he really wanted to make Thanksgiving dinner a lot more interesting, <laughs> you know, and and you he, or a lot easier if it's your family and her family coming up and it's all the same people. Maybe it's, it's simple. It's all the same family tree. But, you know, it's interesting that he has withdrawn his uh, proposal for this bill. Uh, yeah. saying he made a mistake, you know. Uh, I accidentally he, said leave, marrying cousins should be legal. I, I slipped and fell and it just came out. In print. But, but I think what originally prompted this was that he's really uh, too stressed out by online dating. So he's he's got to do something a little closer to home. It, it, it's crazy. I I don't even understand how he could fix his mouth to do this. You know, I don't a, understand a, it. A mistake is is using a, a hyphen instead of an apostrophe. This is <laughs> this is not a mistake. This is it's just... this is first cousin incest. <laughs> well, first off, let's be honest. Our our good friends in Kentucky have to put with a lot of very unfair stereotypes about you know what what we used to call cousin fucking. Um, now now I. I actually have cousins who have married cousins, but it was like second cousins who married second cousins. But, he, you know, it was it was it was OK. Uh, he wanted to law, up but... the ante, John. He wanted to up the ante. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to up some kind of blood relative. But let me tell you, <laughs> what I don't get is like, why of all the causes you could fight for? How can you have enough presence of mind to win Survivor and not realize that calling for first cousins to be able to have sex and marry is not going to help your over. What was the what what? Who is he trying to pander to with this? Like it just seems really inside and really specific. And he got the message. He's already backed down from it and said it was a mistake. But again, he put it into writing and submitted. This is a bill. It was no mistake. I I think he feels like he should make it a uh, a club instead. Maybe uh, uh, something where you know it's like a a, a Patreon club or or a Oof. cigar club or something where you know just not just not something that has to be uh, legalized by uh, and accepted by the government. I think he's yeah. I think he's already doing it, and he wanted to sanction That's something he's already like. involved with. Yeah. What other reason would you have other than you have done it are doing it or aspire to do it all i know is if i was one of nick wilson's cousins i'd stay the hell away from this guy next christmas just putting that out there folks protect yourself (laughs) it makes reading the will a lot more interesting too (laughs) we're at 866-997-4748 866-997-GRIT let's go to bill in new jersey bill thanks for your patience on hold you're on with Rhonda. hey how you doing Great. Good, sir. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah, that guy, uh, there's 7 billion people on the planet, and he had to go to a cousin. I mean, Seriously. Like, but, <laughs> I guess it's, um, it's just, it's hotter, it's hotter that way when you're, you know, <laughs> right, risking right, right. all kinds oh, of uh, unfortunate. Well, what they happens have so, yes, Chris, yes. Go ahead, they Chris. They have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens like when you try to date on Ancestry.com. So. Oh! Oh! Really? really? Ooh. If your word, family Chris. tree, if your family tree does not fork. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Uh, I haven't heard much said about the fact that uh, uh, Governor uh, Three Fingers Pudding Eater said when he first started, before he decided to run, he had the uh, the legislation in in, uh, Florida changed so that if you ran for a high office, you didn't lose your old job, like being governor. That's great. So Uh even back then, he knew he was a loser. He thought of everything except a platform that would help people and basic human charisma. Those are the only two things he left out. Well, he beat up so many marginalized groups. He beat up so many minority groups, so many marginalized groups, so many groups with no power. This man persecuted to get those good Christian folk to like him. And it is such a gratifying experience for my heart to see this go down in flames. I love seeing Mm -hmm. stupid meanness fail. I'm sorry, Rhonda. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say he had to drop out because he knew his frequent flyer miles to Cancun were going to expire shortly. You know, there we go. But, yeah. Man of decision. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, the a- AI is going to be the new uh, fake news, uh, you know. Excuse. Yes. Every time there's something that's, like, stupid that someone says, that's... oh, it, it was uh, AI. I listened to that tape, and I thought that Biden, it sounded like his voice, but there wasn't any real inflection in it. I, I know mean, it sounded like was, I mean, we've heard Biden speak when he's kind of tired and when he spe- he's soft spoken yeah, and yeah. when he's giving a speech, yeah. you know, the thing about Biden's slow way of speaking, he's an 80 year old guy with a stutter. But when he does that slow, deliberate thing, you know, he's never going to be mm-hmm. like Obama or 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 uh, or Bill Clinton as an orator. But he does have this thing that makes you lean in and listen. And when he gives a speech, the room gets really quiet. He mm-hmm. manages to get the whole room to go at his speed. And I will say that he has an intimacy in his speeches that, uh-huh. that Clinton or Obama didn't have. But I thought the tape sounded amazingly like him, except for the malarkey line, because he hasn't said that in a couple of years. But was there any intonation? I, to me, it, didn't, it sounds sound sort of flat. It didn't sound yeah. like there was any... But it sounded like something they would write for him. Save your vote today and save your vote for November when it matters. So, you know, this, and it had to be done his, by Trump. His, yeah. This was all done by it's Trump because they didn't want uh-huh. Democrats or independents showing up for an open primary and casting ballots for Nikki Haley or or DeSantis, because yeah. most likely this was recorded before Ron dropped out. Or by some other country. Who knows? I mean, Or by some uh, other country to help Trump, because, again, foreign dictators yeah. will be doing all they can do to help Donald Trump become president. Hey, we have to be ready he, for it. He's toasted a few of those, you know. <laughs> or Bond Absolutely. and all those people. I think he's yeah. gotten some love letters from one or two. Uh, he's exchanged love letters with yeah. one or two, well, although they don't belong to him, but he took them anyway. Guys, got to keep in touch, you know, with the homies. <laughs> Bill, it's so good to hear from you. Thank you so much for the call. 866-997-4748. Dean is in Los Angeles. Dean, hello. Welcome. You're on with the great Rhonda Hanson. What's up? Good evening, uh, Rhonda. Help me, yes, Rhonda. Dean. <laughs> you got it, Dean. <laughs> well... First off, I got to say it's a shame Ron DeSantis had to bow out. I, although I must admit, I, I feel like uh, you know who stole his thunder was uh, Tim Conway's uh, world-renowned uh, jockey Lyle Dorf back in I was 1986. Yeah. Uh, See, for me, I think Ron DeSantis. I, I, every time he talks, I always think he 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 seems like he just stole Pee Wee Herman's bike. He's he's Francis from Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I know you, everyone. Am I? 
yeah, so maybe he's got a future in you know doing the uh, the, the comedy circuit. I actually, I think he's got a future sorry, in uh, considering. He's got a future in considering to run for president in twenty twenty eight, not running for president, and eventually becoming a well paid lobbyist. That's the only way this story ends. Please don't go. wish him on comedy. We've got enough controversy in comedy. I'm already. allowed to miss him a little <laughs> bit, Ray. I was. <laughs> We were having a debate over the I'm weekend go of like how, my mouth out. I how long this year will our DeSantis jokes still be viable? Like how, how long will our DeSantis jokes be able to survive outside the host? Um, because I kind of feel like, you know, it's campaign year. We can tell Ron DeSantis jokes up until Election Day, as far as I'm concerned. And I got plenty of them. I'm not tired of them yet. <laughs> He's so awful. And it's so gratifying to see his I, campaign. I have a feeling you rank would be more than happy to, uh, to oblige, too. So, yeah, uh, probably. Nevertheless, the point, I, I just wanted one quick thing I was going to point out that I actually really appreciated with your legal scholar yes. that mentioning earlier about Please. the uh, the 14th Amendment ruling on, uh, is that I, it hadn't occurred to me before, but this uh, uh, decision actually has to do with um, something that, that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is checks and balances. And it, in other words, if you are uh, requiring that a judge and a jury need to decide on a case of whether a president has, you know, aided uh, or provided comfort for insurrectionists. You're literally going to have to cre- allow, in other words, that, that a jury and a judge are uh, a check upon Congress. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but that's and, that's and where it's coming. I mean, Congress is supposed to be a check in the judicial branch. No, Congress is supposed to have oversight over the executive branch and the judicial branch, but we don't have that. I mean, the very fact that we're going to have some rulings about January 6th and Clarence Thomas is not going to recuse himself and everyone's going to be fine with that. It's madness. No, yeah, I I would I would rather see something done about. uh, Oh, heck, I think we should just expand the court. Of course, we can't do that at the moment. Yeah, I Uh, mean, we can't. No, but again, we can't expand the court, but. I keep FDR only threatened to do it and they back down. I just want to see Joe Biden carry a big stick and be on the offense for once. We know he's a decent, nice guy. I I want to see him be on the offense and actually bring the fight to them because we've already seen how these Republicans will act. They'll act exactly the way the Confederacy acted when they didn't get punished a slap on the wrist and they keep on doing the same bullshit. I mean, Rhonda, how do you teach these men that wrong is wrong when we're three years after the terrorist attack on our Capitol and they're going to make Trump the nominee again, the man who ended the peaceful transfer of power in our country. And this cult is going to make this do nothing who trashed our economy, lied to them all during a plague and, and sponsored violence to illegally keep the job after being, he got impeached twice. <laughs> John, it care. wasn't an insurrection. Yeah, it was a three-hour tour. Please. Mm. That's all it was. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Peaceful assembly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know they call it an insurrection. I, I, I vacillate between calling it a push because it is sort of like the thing that got Hitler thrown in jail the first time. And, it, it, and to me, it's terrorism. You know, the ones committing violence to bring about a change in policy, that's the textbook definition for the big T word. But I don't hear Democrats using it. I'd like to see it more even said so that it'll end on the news. You keep saying, you know, you want Biden to carry a a, a big stick. He's not going to do it. He's I I feel like he he just doesn't have it in him. You know, I I think, you know, He'd uh, like an, is, a, a nice glass of insure, you know. That's a, <laughs> hang on, Rhonda. My hope is that someone will take President Biden aside and let him know that 
Bibi Netanyahu's not the American president. He is. Just imagine if that could happen. We have to go. Chris and Thea, thank you. Uh, what a great show we had tonight. We'll be back again for some more tomorrow. This is SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.